Well, my name is Pastor Mark, and and um, and my wife. I'm the guy that sits at the front here, and I looked at beside me. There's uh, ten kids beside me. Only two of those were my own um, this morning. But man, there's a bit of a posse forming. That's that's a good time. Um, it's exciting to be back at Hills uh, for 2023, and um, I loved hearing those video announcements because we're seeing all of these things start up, and you know, kids are heading out the door, and um, and they're going to have a great time this morning. My um, uh, my two um, are the teenage kids almost? Oh, they're both teenage kids now. Yeah, they're looking forward to Hills Youth um, that starts up this Friday and playgroup starting and all of these things that are um, that are coming together. It's really exciting. And Beck was sharing about ministry sign up coming up in a couple of weeks' time, and and she mentioned you get a chance just to have a bit of a think about um, how you might want to be involved in the life of the church and how you can use your gifts and your talents to serve and, and volunteer and contribute to the ministry. And that's exciting. Um, today and next Sunday are two weeks that we put aside for our small group um, sign-up. And I've been preparing over these last... Uh, part of my role here at the church is to help facilitate small groups. And I've been preparing over these last couple of months for what small groups um, might look like for this year. And I've been reading some material, having a look at other, how other churches do small groups and listening to podcasts and these, and these things. But can I tell you the most valuable resource, um, if you like, that I've, um, that I've been reading through is just in my own devotion as I've been journeying through the book of Acts this month. I've witnessed in, that, in the reading that... Um, this model of small group meeting um, that the early church adopted and it was really helpful for them as they're establishing, establishing themselves. And the scripture this, mor- um, this morning um, will be a familiar one from, from Acts. And, um, but before I read it, and it's going to be from Acts chapter 2, before I get there, I want to quickly catch you up on what's happened throughout the book of the Bible in Acts all the way up to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And when the book of Acts starts, it starts in a great place. Jesus is meeting with his disciples in Jerusalem, and the Feast of Pentecost is, is happening. And he's preparing to ascend um, back to heaven. And he's telling his disciples in this moment, he says, I'm about to go shortly, but wait. Wait here for this gift that I'm going to send you. And Jesus ascends accompanied by two white-robed beings, it says heavenly beings, and the disciples wait, and true to his promise, God sends the Holy Spirit, and it comes like a rushing wind. And we read about this account um, in, um, in this, at the start of Acts. And there's this amazing noise, and the Holy Spirit comes, and it settles on the disciples, and they say it appeared like... Um, flaming tongues as it settles on the, on the disciples. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins um, to preach. Oh, before that, the, the, the disciples, are um, they're speaking in all of the, the languages around the, around the node world. And because the Feast of Pentecost um, had started in Jerusalem, um, a whole bunch of people had come in from countries around the world, and they're hearing their own, their own language being spoken, and it's, and it's, and it's an amazing moment. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to um, preach. 
and this group of 120 balloons to 3,000, the Bible says, and they believe in the gospel message in Jesus Christ and they're baptized and the church of Christ is born. That happens in just one and a half chapters. The book of Acts is super exciting. We're going to pick up from that point. And it's in Acts chapter 2, like I said, verse 42, sorry, to 47. And it's titled, The Believers Form a Community. And it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in needs. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You might have guessed today's message is all about selling all your possessions and sharing it with those in need. No, I'm just joking. But you actually might have guessed that today's message is about the biblical um, foundation around that small group fellowship and it's important to us in our, in our own life. Before I continue, would you mind just praying? Lord, we thank you for your scripture and for your word. Lord, these principles that, that we can draw out of them. Father, to, to help guide us in our walk with you, grow deeper in our faith and our understanding of you, Lord. But we're so thankful for relationship with you, most of all. But Lord, this amazing gift of relationship with one another. And I just pray that we can discover more about that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to, um, I want to just define what I mean by small group um, in the context of today's in the context of the day's message, because I think it's important that this is not seen as some kind of a guilt trip to join a Hills small group. <laughs> um, when I say small group, I mean a small fellowship of believers. You know, maybe it's two to three people gathering together, up to 10 to 12 um, people who are regularly meeting together for discipleship, actively encouraging one another in their walk with the Lord, praying for one another, and who are in fellowship with one another on a regular basis. Now, although that describes what happens in a Hills Church small group, that also describes what happens within our own Christian friendship circles and our own fellowship. And so maybe you're a part of maybe you're a part of one of those groups. I hope I get that across to you this morning because I don't want us to miss out on the value of meeting together in small relationships and what it can do for our faith and what it can do for our walk with the Lord. On the back wall here, we have these values. Um, I'm not sure when we put them up, maybe seven years ago. Nathan, is that right? Yeah, seven years ago. And I feel like year on year as a church, we're getting better. Um, at, at these things. One of the ones that um, resonates with me is embrace 
people. I love that. And I think we do it pretty well here at, um, at church. And it's, um, you know, when we talk to those that are coming along to Hills Church for the first time, the, often something that we'll hear is that, oh, wow, you're a really welcoming and friendly, and friendly church, and that's awesome. And it's hard to disagree because I've read the Google, I've read the Google reviews, and, um, and they all look pretty good. I think we're 4.8 stars or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I should contact the person who gave us four stars. No, just joking. And if I walk outside after church today, I'm going, I know what I'm going to see. I'm going to see people who are communing together. There's going to be laughter. People are going to be introducing themselves to someone new for the first time. Um, last week, I saw um, people physically embracing one another and praying for one another. And it's actually, it's actually amazing. But this alone doesn't quite meet the needs that small group fellowship provides for us. For instance, after a church service, I suspect that you might not regularly talk to the same people week in and week out. You may not get the chance to dig a little bit deeper and maybe go below the surface in your conversation. Or you might not have had the chance to share with someone your testimony about what you've been reading this week and sow into their lives or even had the opportunity to receive what someone else um, has been learning in their life. 30 to 45 minutes after the service just doesn't give us the time and space to, to get there. So let's get into the biblical principles of, um, of what we can learn from this passage. And one thing that I noticed um, in this Acts Church um, early on is that large group worship and small group fellowship worked together for them. They worshipped together at the temple, we read in Acts, each day, and they met in homes, They both. And here's what we know about the church in that time. Yes, the temple priests taught Old Testament law, which is truth, However, those who subscribe to the teaching that Jesus Christ is the Messiah would be subject to persecution, and as we um, read a little bit later on in the book of Acts, even death. Um, Stephen is stoned to death for declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. The persecution of the early church is far greater than what we would experience as believers here in our country. But in our country, we still do experience some kind of persecution to a degree or rebuke. And it may not be easy. You know, I'm, I'm looking at these kids down here and um, I hate to break it to you guys, but school starts back tomorrow. Woo! <laughs> and you're about to walk into an environment where... In order to fit in sometimes, you might need to compromise on your faith. You might feel that way. And it's hard to stand firm in that, in that environment. And we pray for you in that. And some of us will head to our jobs and, and you might feel as though, or you might be pressured to compromise on your Christian values in order to, um, in order to give your business or your company that you're working for the leg up. And I've... And I've been there, and it's, and it's challenging. Our modern culture daily applies pressure to accept that 
sexual sin, um, child abortion, sexual relationships with a member of the same sex, and transsexualism is a progressive step in the trajectory of the human race. And we're also told that to think otherwise is unloving. And so support from our Christian brothers and sisters is, is just key in this cultural climate in which we live in. And we've mentioned it before, this, this Christian way of life, to love your neighbour, to seek the benefit of others even before yourself, to be sacrificially generous, to care about the salvation of those we love is countercultural in this world. In a way, we share common ground with the early church in this regard. If we're to openly speak the truth of the gospel, we may well be rebuked, or as we've seen over the last couple of years, um, we've seen some lose their jobs. And of course, we receive comfort from the Lord. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But the very essence of God is relational. And that essential quality has been imprinted on us as humans. We are, as we read, created in his image. We're designed for relationship with God, but we are also designed for relationship with each other. So if we take a stand and maybe we even suffer in Christ's name, it is not his intention for us to suffer alone, isolated. Let's turn to that example in Acts again. And it was in the company of the small group in this relationship where there was a great blessing. And even in amidst this incredible challenge, there was joy. And we read about it in verse 46 where it says, They met in homes. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Let's go further and, ex- and just further explore the benefits that those in Acts who met together in their homes experienced. What stood out to me in particular is that small group fellowship built resilience and perseverance. I love that word, resilience. My kids go to um, Kowongba State School. It's about 25 minutes-ish north of here. And uh, resilience is one of the values um, that they try to instill in the kids. It's on, their, it's on their logo. Its definition is that it is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. It is a mindset. Whereas perseverance is the expression of that mindset, to get up and keep going, and then to get up and keep going and go on. Even with the risk of persecution or even death, these early Christians were were able to meet together and they build each other up. They encourage and they support one another to the point where they're able to withstand another day and continue in what God had called them to. I love this verse in in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. 
If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. As I read this verse, um, I was reminded of this. My mind cast back to when I was in Hills Youth here as a 13 and 14 year old kid, and, my, and our leader took us to climb Mount Tibragargan. And um, it's a pretty popular climb, and it was a lot of fun. These days, there'd be risk management and all sorts of strategies to do the same thing. But what I remember, I mean, it was a little while ago. It was probably 25 years ago. <laughs> now you get a sense of how old I am. And um, I remember that I was expecting it to be pretty challenging. But as a kid, I was a pretty fit kid. I was playing sport each week. And we were quickly able to scale the top of the mountain. And it became a real core memory for me. Because um, what I learned about was, a le- or what I saw was a leader and experience was a leader who loved me and cared about me and gave up his Saturday to take us up there. And it was just an amazing experience. I saw this view. Fast forward some years and um, uh, a couple of years ago, um, just before I started here at Hills Church, Nathan, Pastor Nathan suggested to me, hey, just in that in-between period between finishing your old job and starting your new role, take some time away. And just prepare yourself. Spend some time with the Lord and, and even get away. And it was a really valuable time for me. And as I was thinking about that Tibra Garden climb, I was like, yeah, I could recreate um, that moment. And um, I hadn't been anywhere near that mountain in, in that 25 years. And so I totally forgot how, how easy or hard it was. And, and, um, and um, for those that remember that climb, you basically walk to the face of the mountain and then it's kind of your, your hands and feet, you're climbing to scale the whole way. And at 30-something years of age, I found it pretty difficult. And I get to this moment where, and I'm, I'm alone, and it's dark, and it's during the week, and so it wasn't busy, and I get to this moment where I'm looking up, and I can't see where I'm going to put my next foot. And, and I'm looking down, and I'm not confident in getting down safely, and so I'm stuck, and, and I'm worried about which, which way to go. I'm thinking, maybe I veered off the course, because I can't remember it being this, this difficult, and so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there for a couple of minutes praying, and um, my point is, <laughs> whether it was age... Whether it was I, was I was getting an old man, becoming an older man and climbing is a little bit harder. I don't think that was the case because I'm still fairly fit. I'm still playing sport. But I think in the company of someone, the things that seem difficult become easier. But when you're isolated and you're alone, the things that should be a lot easier become a lot harder. The way that that story ended was that um, it's a bit embarrassing to say, but it's a funny story to tell. Um, I, I, as I'm sort of against the wall and praying, I hear this voice, hey, you okay? And I look across, and I reckon they'd probably be 60-something-year-old couple who are, who are basically bounding down the, you know, the mountain. And I thought, wow, if they can do it, surely I can. Oh, boy. I haven't shared that story with Juliet. Well, it's an embarrassing one to share. I didn't realise at the time that I was learning a life lesson. 
But as we journey through life together, those, themes that, those things that seem so challenging in isolation just aren't as challenging in company. What challenges are you attempting to face on your own today? And here's a question for you. Who is in your company? I'm going to skip forward now to Acts chapter 5, and Peter and the apostles have been arrested for preaching about Jesus in the temple again. And just as it, appear, as it appeared, they would be put to death. Lo and behold, a Pharisee speaks on their behalf, and he argues for their release. And instead of being killed, the apostles were instead flogged, told not to speak in the name of Jesus again, and they were let go. And let's read from that point on in Acts chapter 5, 41. It says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Both in the temple courts in large gatherings and in houses in smaller groups, they met together in fellowship. There are reasons why the early church um, that I read did both. There are ways that I've identified where smaller group fellowship encourages us in our mindset and in action that we just don't receive in larger gatherings. The first one I determined was this. It's a deeper learning. I always sound educated when I do these messages and I do research because I read this Harvard paper, right? And I read this Harvard short paper. I don't just... Side note, I rarely read Harvard short papers. But this one was discussing um, the learning science research which shows that small group learning when compared to competitive and individualistic learning does a number of things for us. It improves academic achievement, relationships with classrooms and faculty, and promotes psychological well-being amongst their students. These are things that they've identified. Now, of course, they apply the research in their approach to learning in you know, their students' academic field. However, those same principles apply in learning anything, I feel. Giving the ability to think critically, talk about it, listen to different viewpoints, express your viewpoint. All of these things happen dynamically in the company of of good fellowship in a smaller context. The second thing I noticed was that they help, the second benefit that I saw from these small groups that helped the early church was that it, it helps to see through their commitments. They were committing to a life of Christ and the small group helped see them through, helped to help them persevere in that. But I was thinking how many of us are challenged to step out in faith or even just make a positive life choice, but we keep that as a private intention without really, without really sharing it. You know, I live just 20 minutes north of, um, of um, here, and as I said before, my kids go to Kwong Bar State School, and I do the school drop-off every day. And every day I cross the Pine Rivers Bridge, and as I look down to my left, I see a little boat ramp that goes in, and sometimes there's people in there with their little boats and they're cruising around and they're having a good time. And I think to myself, as I have for the last couple of years, wouldn't it be awesome 
to get a kayak on a Monday, which is my weekend, I get down there while I'm on my own, I paddle around, that'd be an amazing thing to do. And there it stayed, as this, as this um, internal intention that I never really expressed with, every, with anyone. Fast forward a couple of years and a few months ago, or almost, yeah, maybe six months ago, I'm having a discussion with Roger. And if you don't know Roger, um, he's a pretty cool guy. We kayak, he kayaks, he's a, he's a competitive open water um, fisherman from kayaks, and we catch fish, you know, in my case, we catch fish, and he catches fish, you know, and I'm having this, yeah, 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 I didn't tell him, I told him I'd be sharing the story, I didn't tell him I'd be showing these photos, so his hands, his hands, I think this is the first time I've ever seen a shirtless guy in church, this is exciting. Um, anyway, um, anyway, it's this, I'm having this conversation with him, and, um, and I really like Roger, and I... And, and I actually care about what Roger thinks of me. And so in order to relate to him, I start to, I share about, um, I share this story or this thing that I'd had, this internal intention that I'd had about doing, you know, getting a kayak. And this conversation goes really well. We connect, um, you know, we connect really well. We've got something in common that we both enjoy. And I go away thinking, yeah, I didn't embarrass myself in front of someone cool like Roger. But what happens over the next couple of weeks? I have another conversation with him. He said, hey, mate, how are you going in your search for a kayak? Have you found anything yet? And then um, a few weeks later, he sends me an ad advertising for a kayak. <laughs> and he's getting these things, you know, he's just burning this desire in me. And then he starts sending, you know, these photos of fishing, you know, fish, fish that he's caught. He even sends me this video, um, this three-minute video of himself um, reeling in this, this fish in the open sea, and it's really cool. And long story short, I now have a kayak. <laughs> yeah. You see, I don't, I don't have, I don't yet have a, um, you can take that photo off if you like, for <laughs> Rogers, please. Um, I don't have roof racks for my car to transport the kayak yet. But maybe because I've shared that out aloud, that might come as well. But, um, if you've ever been challenged through something that you've read or something that someone said to you and you've thought to yourself, gee, that would be a good idea, can I encourage you to share it with someone? There is a greater chance for it to get done. The personal commitments that we share with others get done. The personal commitments that we share with others get done. The third benefit I wanted to highlight is, um, is spiritual partnership. And it's been valuable to look at the contribution of the small group in the life of the early Christian church. And as I've read and researched, I feel that our modern culture often views small groups, particularly our often church culture, views small groups as merely a program or a fellowship ministry within the church. But for the New Testament church... It was crucial to their way of life, encompassing every area of their lives. Their relationship with one another were critical to the pursuit of Jesus and their growth in Christ and their witness to the good news that they knew to be true. And it would be impossible to experience biblical community apart from spiritually significant 
intentional relationships with other believers. Small groups with this kind of framework are an integral part of being in the church and not just doing church. Just using a little bit of Adam's vernacular from last week. I'm, I want to invite Billy up, if that's okay. And Billy's, um, we've become pretty tight mates. And so um, we went camping together last year. And so I know Billy can talk a lot. And so, um, so I've just invited Billy. As I've, I've looked at small groups um, you know, over this year. Oh, thanks, man. I've looked at small groups and I've admired this small group that Billy's in a part because what I've seen from their small group closely models or seems to model something like what, the, what that early church small group looked like. They fellowship together, they meet together, they learn together. They love spending time with one another and it's spurring them on. And so I don't want to steal any more of Billy's son. I wanted to, him to just share a little bit about the testimony of, his, of that small group. Thanks, man. Well, I can speak a lot. And um, so I cut my sermon down to the four minutes that Mark told me I was allowed to have. <laughs> so, um, so when the opportunity came up to sign up to a small group uh, last year, Meg and I had only been at the church for about well, less than two months. Um, and in that time, we'd met a few people, but we didn't get to know people on a more intimate level, apart from the few people that we knew before we came, because we did know some people in the congregation before we got here. So we signed up to the Cruisers group, uh, because that was focused on families with school-aged children. Um, and of which there were seven families in the group. So with everyone there, there was 13 adults and 19 to 20 kids, or too many kids to count. Now, those numbers seem high, but it was small enough that we could still develop these deeper, more intimate relationships, but also large enough that if there was a couple of families that couldn't make it, we still had a critical mass, so we could have these really fruitful conversations that, that flowed on from there. So it was held um, every second Thursday night, and one of the driving factors that got us out of the house every week was actually the kids. The kids loved going and fellowshipping with their peers. Um, it gave them something to look forward to in their week. Um, but it wasn't just every second Thursday night, though. It was regular catch-up on Sundays. It was planned and impromptu meals together, um, you know, supporting messages during the week. Some of us did Christmas together. Um, some of us did New Year's together. Uh, there was even... Um, we attended other events together. There was even a time, randomly, I met up with uh, Ben and Sarah McConaughey at the, um, the Sanford Anzac Day service. Um, there's a bit of a story. We'd only known them probably for, I don't know, at that stage, probably two months or so by, like, of, of, um, of home groups or small groups. And uh, I looked across at Mackenzie, one of my daughters, and she had this look of desperation in her eye, and she said, Dad, I need to go to the toilet. <laughs> and uh, so in the middle of nowhere, there's no, uh, no toilets, and Sarah kindly said, I'll take her back to our place. And, like, there was a, a huge walk back to the car and then to drive to their place and come back. And that's just part of the sacrificial thing that, you know, the home group sort of started doing for each other. Um, it offered the opportunity to grow spiritually as well, you know, learning through other people's experiences, other people's passions uh, and their training, and of which was really quite diverse. We had, like, missionaries and guys that had been full-time ministry and things in our group. So that was pretty good. And I know I thrived by hearing God speak through, those, uh, through the other members in the group, you know, an opportunity to, to uh, sharpen the iron or, or, or chew the fat in an environment that was really, really encouraging. Um, and everyone got to speak. Uh, admittedly, Jay and John and myself spoke more than anybody else, but, but that's how it went. Um, regularly, there was questions put forward uh, to challenge what we were studying or discussing that week. And, and Tim, miss it and wherever you are, you'll love this. Uh, one of the questions that came up was, how does that look? 
you know, how does that look in our lives? How, do we, how does that look in the life of the church? Um, you know, what's God saying to us through that? Um, why do I find that passage challenging? You know, things like that. So quite often someone would speak into that question and provide some clarity, you know, like a God-ordained moment or a, or a snippet of gold that's something to cherish and hold on to. So through 40-odd years of church, um, I'd never had a small group experience like I had with this one this year. Uh, the amount of so, um, support the group provided was amazing, you know, praying for each other, sharing deep hurts and challenges, um, the opportunity to be vulnerable um, and to be genuinely cared for and to d- demonstrate some genuine care um, is, yeah, something different. Um, you know, through, through challenging times and, and times of sickness and times of uncertainty, which we all had um, as a group through the year. Um, one of the things that the group helped me with uh, was to actually process God's sovereignty um, in my life through, the, through my challenges. And maybe there's a couple of questions that we can, you can ask yourself in that as well. You know, do you believe that God's perfect and do you believe that God's sovereign? And if you answer yes to those things, then you can, you can lean into that. You can rest into God uh, in, that, in those times, no matter what your circumstances are. Um, parenting can be really hard as well. And as the kids get older, I think it's actually got harder and harder. So those with little kids, you've got something to look forward to. Um, <laughs> but one of the greatest benefits I found with this group was actually walking beside the other mums and dads uh, as we try and navigate parenting in this ever-changing society. Mark mentioned it about it before, like it's, it's getting harder and harder. But as a group, you know, we embraced each other's struggles. We attempted to do life on life as we journeyed together. Uh, we shared, you know, laughter, uh, compassion, tears, all those sort of things. But, and as we did, we developed these, these stronger bonds, and I'm, I'm sure they're bonds that will last. Page two. No. <laughs> it's a short page. So <laughs> two more paragraphs. So one of the, uh, another really super exciting thing that we got to do as our home group was to um, be a little bit of part of Sarah's journey. Uh, you know, we were able to celebrate Sarah's decision to go on this mission trip. Um, and commit to her um, for praying for, for her and, and for her ministry while she's away. But in that, also riding the wave of emotion with, with Robin and Jay, because their daughters then made this big step of faith, and she's going to be away for Christmas, and something that they had to then process as well. So there was, that was something else that was really, uh, really great for the group. So the end of year dinner breakup was really amazing, but it was also sort of sad. So after the meal, we sat around the table to express... Um, the gratitude to what God had done for us throughout the year. And every member, and I mean absolutely everyone, they all, you know, thanked God for the group, or there was massive thanks for the group, for the feeling of being part of something special, you know, for the support, for the prayer, for the assistance with parenting, and that list just could go on and on and on, the amount of gratitude that was there. But then the sadness came because at the end it was announced that our group was actually going to dissolve or split um, after this year. And for the purpose of essentially sharing the love. So our group, our group was too large for more families to come in um, and there's been more families that have joined Hills Church since then. So instead of then trying to have a mega group, um, it was decided that we would, would split. So we're sort of commissioned now to take what we've received from the cruise group um, and invest that into different groups um, in the church and continue to try and develop these deeper relationships with other families in, in, in the Hills um, family. <laughs> Too many families, yeah. So, but that's something that I'm looking forward to for the uh, for for this year. So, uh, that was our experience of home group. Um, 
And I guess to summarise, it's just it was a place to be vulnerable, uh, to be loved, and to love. Um, yeah. And it was really important. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for sharing. That was really good. That was worthwhile. Thanks so much for sharing. Thanks so much for sharing, Billy. I I feel like maybe um, just reiterate this isn't a shameless plug for home groups, <laughs> because remember my defi- my definition of small group before, but. Maybe in 2023, you would like to consider joining or maybe even starting a small group. I'd still like for you to find out more. And so on the back of the connection card today and next, and next week, I've just got a couple of extra small boxes. And it might not be signing up to a home group, but maybe you want to know more. Or is there a group there for me that I might be able to connect into? And so I'm just encouraging you today, please um, have a read of that, check that and I will get in touch with you this week um, to talk about that. But I also mentioned earlier that today might be an encouragement for you to look around you to see who your small group already is. And maybe even be honest and to know if you're actually missing the value, valuable contribution of a small group in your life. Perhaps you're in a small group of friends, and once again, not necessarily a Hills Church small group, but you are in the company of um, brothers and sisters in Christ who you are walking alongside. However, those elements that we were talking about aren't existing. There's not the deep learning. There's not the accountability Can I encourage you today to think about adding that into those relationships? And I've just got a couple of ways of how you can do that. Maybe it might be a text message or a phone call to one of those friends to say, hey, I'm about to start reading through through, um, the gospel or the New Testament. I'm wondering whether you wouldn't mind... I'm doing that with me, and we can talk about it. We can talk about it together. Or I'm about to start reading through this book. I want to learn a little bit more about this. I'm wondering whether you would like to read that with me. And all of a sudden, you're adding another dynamic, a spiritual dynamic, into that into that friendship. Or maybe there is a step of faith that you have been. It's one of these personal intentions that you haven't shared. It might be that you. Um, have been thinking about sharing the love of Christ in a friend's life or maybe it's a friend, family member's life and that leap of faith, that boldness that you require to step out and actually make that is, is too difficult. Can I encourage you to share that with one of those friends today? Hey, I'm thinking, I really want to really reach out to my mum, see her come to the Lord and would you mind praying for me in that? Check up on me from time to time. Have you actually plucked up the guts? Maybe that leap of faith then doesn't become a leap. Maybe it's just a step alongside friends. I just want to pray and invite the worship team up. Lord Jesus, I thank you for relationship. Lord, I thank you that we're designed for it. You desire it with us, but you also desire us to be in relationship together. (laughs) 
Father, keep showing us and keep revealing to us how that works for us in our own lives. God, if we don't have people in our life to help, um, to help us in our walk with you, help us in our walk, in our life, and doing it in a way that pleases you, Father, would you lead us to the company of those people? Reveal it to us. God, I thank you for all you're doing. God, I pray in advance for our small group meetings for this year. Lord, for those groups that are yet to form. Lord, for those friendships that maybe start functioning like an early church small group, meeting in homes, encouraging one another, spurring each other on in the love of Christ. God, I pray for more of that. In Jesus' name, amen. 